The Tigers rally late? No, I'm just playing. Lost 9-3, though. The hands of the Seattle Mariners. Let's talk about it today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers. Your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All righty. Tigers drop Tuesday night's series opener against Seattle by a score of 9-3. to three. They do so in Comerica Park. Um, two of the furthest non-Miguel Cabrera home runs I think I've I've maybe ever seen uh, in, well, J.D. Martinez probably in that mix too, but probably ever seen in, in Copa. Hey, I mean, those were a couple of moonshots. There was one hit to probably the deepest part of the entire ballpark, especially for a right-handed hitter. Like like probably the, the deepest part of the park there, that uh, right where the out-of-town scoreboard and the center field wall meet, but in the bushes above that, that's pr- for a righty. I would imagine that that's probably the deepest part of the entire park. Um, 431, 434 feet, something like that. And then another one that was hit. Do you remember when during the pandemic season, when we signed CJ Crone and CJ Crone hit a home run and everybody was freaking out about it because they were like, oh my goodness, look how far like CJ Crone has serious power. Look how crazy far that went. That's what the second one that went, I think, also like 434, 435 feet. That's what that one felt like. It was like in that territory. We're like up against, like left center field, up against the, uh, like around where the the uh, jersey numbers, retirement numbers are. Goodness, that escaped me. But um, yeah, Matt Manning started this game. We might as well just start with that, get that kind of out of the way at the beginning because that's definitely the biggest storyline of the game. That and the offense continuing to no surprise anyone reverting back to being not good it, you know i don't think anyone expected what happened over the weekend to be sustained uh but nonetheless matt manning did start this game and he has been a uh big bright spot this season when healthy uh obviously everybody on this team every pitcher on this team has been hurt for at least a little bit but uh manning has been has been phenomenal this year uh, when healthy and his last start, I mean, we talked about maybe his last two starts are, are easily the best two start stretch of his career uh, and arguably two of the best starts in his career, I thought, based on stuff and just how he was executing pitches and stuff. But uh, this one was that was certainly not the case. Yeah, he goes two and a third, seven hits, seven earned runs, one walk and one strikeout. The biggest thing for this one uh was the slider fooled no one and we talked last start about how he had a slider but he was kind of using it 
like two different ways. Like he would use the slider as a slider, but then sometimes he would use the slider as a cutter. And this game, it didn't matter what he was using it as. It was not affected and it was crushed, especially just after the first inning, right? Like second and third inning uh, really clearly did not go very well for him with the slider. The average exit velocity on his slider was 100 miles an hour. It got put in place six times, and the average exit velo on on the slider was 100 for the outing. Definitely not great. He threw it 18 times, uh, only had one whiff on it, only one called strike on it. Really not great. I mean, I got like the CSW percentage was 15%. I guess I can tell you that, but I, it's not uh, it's not really that important when you have that poor of an outing, and, and it's pretty assumed that it's not going to be very good he, he just the, the slider fooled nobody and in the first inning like I said he, he was kind of still like sometimes he was using it kind of as more of a cutter and then sometimes he'd throw it low and away and try to have like more break on it once he got into the second and especially the third inning obviously I mean there was one point where he was throwing like every slider he threw, whether it was in the strike zone or not in the strike zone was just getting deposited into the outfield. Like there was no, he was fooling no one. That's really the way to put it. He was not fooling anyone with the pitch. Um, I mean, he, he was even like missing spots. He'd miss low and it would still just the shape of it was not great. And in his last start, I thought it had really good bite. Uh, to it and, and in this start I, I just didn't uh, it, it it really hung up there it, it kind of had more of a shape wise it just it, it didn't seem to have a bite at the break it just kind of like lofted up there and then like slowly lofted back down I don't know kind of hard to explain I, I guess with words but it just it didn't have the bite that it usually has that's probably the best way I can put it and it was a really really poor outing and uh I mean, clearly reflected, right? Seven and runs in a little over two innings. Only one strikeout. ERA up to 379. It was sub three before this outing. So clearly not headed in the right direction. But at the end of the day, it is one start. Uh, so we'll see what he can do for the remainder of the year. But uh, this was was certainly not his best outing. The rest of the pitches, I mean, he threw the fastball more than anything because the slider wasn't working. So at some point, he kind of had to. Um. And I mean, it was, it was fine. It still got hit hard sometimes, but it, I mean, it was, it was okay, I guess. And it, I don't know, like when, when your best non-fastball pitch is completely just removed from your repertoire and just com- is completely not effective. I'm not really sure what you expect. You're, you're not going to have a lot of success. That's for sure. Uh, through nine curveballs, not too much success with those either. He hung one of them. He hung two of them, actually. One of them got cranked. Uh, both of them got ripped really hard, but one of them got absolutely cranked. Yeah, just just didn't have it. Uh, the command was was not very good. He was missing with the fastball. He, he wasn't able to hit his spots if they were inside to lefties or like up to righties. Like he, he was not even hitting. They would set up fastball high to try to get a swing and a miss chasing high, and he would just miss outside. Like, he would just completely just open up and just the mechanics went out the window. It was just not a great outing. But, like I said, it is one outing. Uh, there will be better days, hopefully, and uh, we'll see what he can do. Because if he goes and, and next start goes back to being good and the rest of the, the, the of the season is solid, as solid as he was before this start, 
then we just look at this as an outlier and we move on with our lives and nobody cares. But given this season, it's hard to give that the benefit of the doubt. But it is just one start, and he has way more good starts than bad starts this year. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll get into the bullpen and then obviously the offense. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, M- boxing, MMA, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, everybody. Welcome back here to segment two of Locked On Tigers. I'm your host, Scott Bentley. That's my intro. Uh, We're back. My nose is still very runny, so sorry if that's... um, I don't know what's happening with me this summer. This is like the third time this has happened this season. Not really sure why, but we're here. And we're living, and it's okay. So, let's just get to the bullpen. Uh, I I think that's a pretty natural next step here. I I thought, well, I don't even know. Where do you even want to start? Because... (laughs) let's just go in order let's just go chronological will vest comes out of the pen first uh two-thirds of an inning one hit no earned runs to his name one strikeout he did give up a couple of runs to matt manning's expense a couple of inherited runners there but only threw 10 pitches got a strikeout Uh, i mean fine the big thing continues to be with him command uh, just slider command, fastball command, command of literally everything. Jose Cisnero pitched uh, another walk, but two strikeouts. I thought the stuff was some of the best I've seen it. Like the sinker was really good, and the four seam fastball was back to the velo that we're somewhat used to seeing out of him the last couple of years. Uh, so I, I, I was glad to see that. There's still some command stuff to to work out, and I'm sure he'll get back into the swing of things right in time for the season end, unfortunately, but. You know, just comparing him to the last two years, it's just something is not clicking. It's not, it's just not the same that it was the last couple of years, even though he sits with a one four six ERA. Daniel Norris, then three innings, three hits, two earned runs, no walks, and two strikeouts. Uh, again, like I'm not, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know about Daniel Norris. Like, I'm sorry. It's, it's stuff has never been a problem. Command has always been a problem that reigns true tonight and and reigns true in in most daniel norris appearances um yeah like i i thought that the breaking ball for him especially was just not located very well at all the four seam fastball was oh like he, he wasn't missing bats and when he was when the stuff was good enough to where you thought he might be missing bats it was not located very well, just whatever, but still had two strikeouts. And really in this game, like who's no one's really pointing the finger at Daniel Norris going, you're the reason we lost. We were down nine to nothing. Most of the game until a random couple of runs there at the end of the game, 
Jason Foley continues to be Jason Foley. I, I love Jason Foley. 276 ERA, fantastic sinker. Beauty. And then uh, Cody Clemens pitches the final inning for the Detroit Tigers. Uh, set him down in order. One inning and set him down in order. I, I like I like it a lot. Um, <laughs> whatever. Like I, <laughs> I'm so tired of watching position players pitch, and not in the sense of like people shouldn't do it. I know there's a whole crowd that is anti-position players pitching, but uh, look, this you, you don't want to waste arms. What's the point in going into the bullpen and wasting a bullpen arm? I'm tired of it in the sense of we have seen it a lot. Because we're not good. And I'm so tired of not being good. And I'm so tired of, of having to watch Cody Clemens and Harold Castro pitch. I'm so tired of it. I just want a competitive baseball team. Look at that, though. Eight pitches. All the EFIS pitch is what they were all registered as. Average of 56 miles an hour for Cody Clemens on the heater. The rock, the, the rocket junior. So, I mean, fine outing by, by the bullpen. I mean, Daniel Norris may, had a couple of really bad pitches there, but for the most part, like a fine outing by the bullpen. This was I mean, like, it was seven, nothing after the third, right? Like it was just, this was never a, a game that a good bullpen showing would have saved us. And it's not a game that our good bullpen uh, really mattered at all because at the end of the day, we couldn't hit. And so looking at the offense, uh, I mean, like the ninth inning was great. Sure. I, I mean, we, we, we didn't get shut out the eighth and ninth inning. I should say we didn't get shut out. Like we, we scrapped together a few runs there at the end of the game, but I mean, I mean, this was a, a pretty brutal offensive performance. And uh, Kirby is, is a good pitcher. Kirby's a good pitcher. And I he's going to be in the consideration. He's going to get his name written down on on some awards, uh, this uh, on some accolades this offseason for sure. Uh, five innings, two hits, no earned runs, one walk, and five Ks. Uh, he, he's really good. He pounds the strike zone pounds the strike zone right there's a dude that whatever he went viral because he started off the game with however many consecutive strikes to to start off a game or whatever whatever last week two weeks ago um he, he pounds the strike zone and this team cannot hit fastballs in the strike zone recipe for success that's why Joe Ryan dominates us in Minnesota every time. He throws 80% fastballs, and he pounds the strike zone. But we can't hit fastballs in the strike zone. So they, we get dominated. And this was really no different. He has a fastball, and he has a sinker. That's pretty much the exact same velocity as the fastball. And he throws those two pitches combined like almost 70% of the time. And again, when, when you have a team that just can't hit heat, like borderline down the middle. Yeah. It's <laughs> not going to be a recipe for success offensively in a night in and out basis. Uh, Flexen then came in. Uh, Chris Flexen came in in relief. I mean, this is a best case scenario night for the Mariners, right? They come into town first game of the series. They only use two pitchers and win by six. That's that's, they only use one reliever, <laughs> 
and, and they win by six runs. That's that's pretty much as good as it gets uh, if you if you want to map out a game one of a series. So flexing and, and flexing wasn't even great, but he didn't need to be because again they were up nine nothing. So also, can we talk about how ridiculous it was that we were getting fed? Follow me with this line of logic, okay? Try and follow me here. We were told by a, a certain broadcast team, their logic was, hey, Tigers fans, I know we're down 7 to nothing right now, or 9 to nothing, whenever they made the quote, but remember two nights ago, when we blew a 9 nothing lead in two innings? Well, that means the Tigers aren't out of it. What twisted line of logic is, hey, you know how we suck and, and, and gave up eight runs in two innings? Well, maybe we'll score eight runs in two innings. What the, what kind of sell, I think I, I tweeted out self-owning. That, what are you what are you saying? That's just a preposterous line of logic. Hey, I know we are currently down by almost double digit runs, but last time we were up by double digit runs, we only won by one. So maybe another team will be as bad as us for a day. I don't know. That it really probably upset me more than it should but i i found that logic to be ridiculous and and i it did not follow or track in my head whatsoever um okay let, let's get to the offense so like i said kirby's really good at his job and this team was was never going to have a ton of success against him just if he was even remotely hitting his spots and sticking to the game plan that he usually goes by which he did, and he executed it well. And it led to uh, nearly the entire Tigers lineup really struggling. Some exceptions to that, Kerry Carpenter had another two-hit day. Uh, I, I, I just, his at-bats, again, he, he kind of he started off slow, got hot, then got slow again, and now is kind of like trending upwards again. I think we should throw him out there every day. And I know one of the two hits he got was kind of like a cheapy blue pit. I don't really care. I'm just going to take offense anyway and get it at this point in the season, especially with this team. Um, Javi Ofer, Harold Ofer, Vic Ofer, Cody Clemens replaced Miguel Cabrera, who had a couple of hits. That's always fun to see. Almost homered. Almost homered. No matter what the score of the game is, when you get that close to Miguel Cabrera history, like anything he does is like, oh, this is – Especially when he hits a homer, you're like, oh, I don't know how many of these we have left. So it, it, he was close. He didn't quite get it out, but not always nice to see the big fellow with a couple of knocks. Uh, Jamer Candelario with the RBI single late. Uh, Willie Castro with a hit. Also, we've squandered. We had bases loaded one out and didn't score any runs in this game at one point. I mean, yeah, it's just it, it was so predictable to go from where we were last year or last year where we have been all year uh, revert right back to that after a weekend of kind of an offensive explosion. Also, it's important to note the Texas Rangers are not very good and the Seattle Mariners kind of are. So not not doesn't take a rocket scientist. 
really to uh, to figure out the the difference between the last weekend and the remain and the rest of the entire season. All right, we'll get into the rest of the offense. Uh, and then there was a small like team organizational move that doesn't really matter, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Uh, right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment three of Locked on Tigers. Uh, third and final segment. Yeah. Sorry if you're watching on YouTube. I don't know. I, uh, you had to watch me blow my nose. I don't know what's happening to me this season. I really don't, but I'm really tired of it. So if it could stop, that'd be great. Okay. Let's get into the rest of the offense. Really, all, all that's left with the offense is. Uh, well, we are, I've already reiterated a million times. We can't hit straight pitches in the strike zone. It's really just Riley green setting his hitting streak, get another knock, something fun to watch. Uh, I don't know. I don't even think he really looked that great at the plate. Like he had the RBI, which is, which is always solid. Um, but definitely didn't look the same as he has during the hitting streak during the hitting streak. His OPS is, is through the roof, right? He's, he's been crushing the ball and in most of those games they're they're multi-hit games and extra base hits and everything um this game not as i mean like the triple like that the one hit was a triple which is obviously uh solid and 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 will help those numbers but i I didn't you know whatever i I didn't think that his, his approach at the plate he still just he has a tendency to to spike the ball pull side spike the ball into the ground and obviously the strikeout numbers is still something he's got to work on heat up and in something he's got to catch up to. Uh, and then sometimes he'll just get too aggressive as well. Not necessarily like a, like a pitch mix thing or like, Oh, we need to work on this location. Just sometimes he'll just go through some stretches and some at bats where he just looks like he is way more aggressive than he usually is. And you're like, okay. And then he'll, you know, go through a week stretch where he, he's really patient and, and taking really solid at bats. And then, you're like, well, you know, where did this come from kind of thing. So just like maturing as a hitter and everything. But the OPS is almost back up to 690. And if he can get over 700, I know that's like a really minor victory and not even really one that we should probably be celebrating. But dang it, we're going to celebrate it this year because we only have one hitter with an OPS over 700 currently. Uh, and that's Harold Castro. I guess Kerry Carpenter technically has an 863 OPS, but that's a very, very small sample size. So the only person that that's played here for a, a decent amount of time with an OPS over 700 is Cat, Harold Castro, 710. So I'm just, I'm, I'm really hoping that we can just get some, some, <laughs> some offense. I just, I just want consistent offense again. Um, so that's probably it for the game. Like, look, th- this this series was never going to be something that I, a lot of people had faith in, I don't think. I don't think a lot of people were going to go into this series going, oh, this is going to go really well. Um, but at the same time, we had a nice weekend. Maybe we could have stayed hot and came into it. Clearly, we didn't. Whatever. Let's just move on to tomorrow. Uh, no Matt Manning. Not Matt Manning. No Matt Boyd in this game, which... Uh, I think we're, we might get this series. We might get him out of the pen at some point this series. So that'll be an emotional thing for sure. Um, but he was born and raised in Seattle, and he seems really happy out there and everything. So 
Uh, happy for happy for Matthew Boyd. I already gave a spiel yesterday about it. Uh, regardless of my opinion of of when or when he shouldn't have been traded, um, great human being, very uh, very very honored uh, to have had watched him and uh, to have just had him wear an old English D. Very good, very very cool guy. Okay, uh, only other thing I want to talk about is the Illich Entertainment. The Illich Holdings, that the, the company, uh, technically put a different, a new person in charge of entertain uh, the. Okay, this is the exact position name: Entertainment Senior Vice President of Communications and Broadcasting. So there you go. Uh, it's Ron Colangelo, I believe. I'm pronouncing the last name right. Uh, he he's worked with. Illich Holdings and, and whatnot, Illich Companies, not Illich Holdings, but he's worked within the Illich Companies uh, for a while now, and he is the new position there. The, the big thing was, like, once this was announced, everybody was like, oh, my goodness, you know, change our booth, right? That's, like, the big thing. Everybody was like, oh, like, we have a new person in charge of uh, broadcasting for the, the Illich Companies. Maybe that will lead to a change in the booth. I'm not going to come on here and and just like drag uh, our booth or drag everybody in or uh, that that broadcast for the Tigers or whatnot. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. But um, we have a new face in there. So if you are one of the people that is holding your breath, expecting some change, hoping for some change in the broadcast booth. Um, I guess this offseason might be the time, but also he's worked with the company. Like this is a, a like natural promotion for him. It's not like he was some outsider that had nothing to do with it. So maybe, I don't know, maybe it's, it's uh maybe, maybe he likes the personnel they have because he's worked there before. I don't know. Not, not like a huge thing. I don't have anything else really to say about it, but just uh, very much was a discourse going on on Twitter. And I think it's important to notice when, anything within this organization happens with a hiring or a firing. So there you go. If you're one of the, the bro, I don't even know if that dude like is in charge of that. I don't even know if Bally and, and whatever, like is like, they, they could not even be related. And I could just like, everybody could just be like, Hey, fire Matt Shepard. And he could be like, I have no control over that. It's a completely different company. That might be the truth. I, I, I don't have an in, in, intense in, in what the heck word am I trying to think of? I don't have, a super deep knowledge on the uh, makings of the Illich companies and except for three of them and or um, and or Bally Sports. So I, I don't know if that's something that he's at, this dude is ever going to have control over or not. But it was a big conversation uh, on Twitter today and it's impossible to just like ignore it. So there you go. I, I don't know. Do your own research. Figure out if, <laughs> if you think that this might lead to a change in the booth. Uh, that's neither here nor there for me. I think that's it, man. I, I, I really, we're, we're definitely in, in the, uh, in the dog days of the season. And I think there might be when September rolls around here by the end of the week, we might start seeing some more roster moves made and, and we might give us, uh, some, I don't know, some new faces for the remainder of the season, but it is a really rough year and we are in the last month of it. 
we'll get through the last month and uh, I'll be darned if after game 162, I'm not still going to be an idiot and, and, you know, miss it for whatever reason. Cause I'm sick in the head. Thank you for making lockdown tigers. Your first listen every day for your next listen, check out the ultimate pro football preview, 2022 an eight episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NFL season. The local team experts of the Lockdown Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Lockdown Bets, all combining into the Ultimate NFL Preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast. That'll do it for us. We'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place. You know the drill. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you all then. Go Tigers, baby.